How can someone so flamboyant write such dull stories? Welcome, Mere Mortalites, to another round of the Mere Mortals book reviews. I'm your host, Kyron, host of the Mere Mortals and Value for Value podcast, but also this one, which is where I dive deeper into the books that I'm reading to give you the juicy information that is within to extract some themes that you might have thought about and to also just dive, I suppose, into some older classical books. That's what I like to focus on this channel here, books that have been written at least 10 years in the past and doesn't really matter the genre and today it's not even books per se we have plays and a selection of short stories of fairy stories indeed we do have two books here oscar wilde the happy prince and other stories and then also uh, the importance of being earnest which is a play also by oscar wilde so these two were written in i guess almost his prime uh, of when he was a, a writer so this was in 1888 and 1899 approximately 190 pages and 80 pages which is why i'm doing a a tour in this edition here it probably took me four hours of reading and in total to get through sense why i'm doing both of them here today because it doesn't really make sense to do a full book review on a on a tiny little play so who is oscar Wilde? what was my motivation for getting into this some initial impressions his name has popped up uh, quite a recent a few times recently I, I can't remember exactly why but i just remember hearing like oscar wilde someone mentioning him uh, i have read in uh, his most well-known book the the picture of dorian gray before so i am familiar with him as an author and uh, I, I what really intrigued about me about him was just his personality who he was and and in particular people who are shunned or jailed or put away just for their words and and kind of how they act a little bit sure but also mostly just because of who he was as a person and how he portrayed himself which was if you don't know this very flamboyant englishman this was in the the late 1800s the kind of victorian periods where you're more meant to be like a stately person, very refined, very very calm, very, uh, you know, abiding by these strict social rules and manners and politeness and courtesy and, uh, you know, temperance and all those sorts of chastity, all those sorts of things, whereas he was very much more an outgoing flamboyant character. So a uh, very, very interesting person. So um, my initial impression of reading these, so I first, I was kind of reading them simultaneously, but the... Uh, importance of being earnest I, I got through a lot quicker just because it's so much shorter and also the happy prince the the my initial impression was just it's okay neither of them really captured me as like wow i need to read this it was merely good enough that i would continue reading and so i did continue reading uh, going through them and yeah I, I suppose what i i found from this getting onto the the plot and the the style was it's the i'll start off with the importance of being earnest it's very much a humorous high class play so it's uh, it's got about six characters in it in total uh this being two sets of lovers and that well three sets of lovers actually and a, a kind of like bossy old maiden who's uh the, mo- the mother of one of them and basically it's just these two guys uh jack and algernon who have fallen in love with uh, Cecily and what was the other girl's name? Uh, Genevieve, I believe, or something like that. Uh, or Miss, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's actually hard to find. Gwendolyn, that was her name. And basically they, they had constructed this series of lies about who they were as a person had, had, and, um, 
and and what their actual name was and they uh, had to kind of like sneak around us do these uh you know sneaky little things the lies got exposed and then there was this big you know hubbub uh, right at the end and uh, it was just kind of like an amusing little book um i'm going to jump over to here to page 48 so you can get a little bit of a a taste of the the wit in particular that's going from this so this is a scene between algernon who is the very flamboyant character in this and uh who's uh kind of just hitting on this uh young girl cecily who was his friend's warden who he or uh care like he was taking care of her and so I'll try and jump between these two. So basically, uh, they've they've just met for the first time, but she's heard a lot about him. And so uh, we go like this, Algonon. Oh, I don't care about Jack. I don't care for anybody in the whole world but you. I love you, Cecily. You will marry me, won't you? You silly boy. Of course. Why, we have been engaged for the last three months. For the last three months? Yes, it will be exactly three months on Thursday. But how did we become engaged? Well, ever since dear Uncle Jack first confessed to us that he had a younger brother who was very wicked and bad, you, of course, you, have formed the chief topic of conversation between myself and Miss Prism. And of course, a man who is much talked about is always very attractive. One feels there must be something in him. After all, I dare say it was foolish of me, but I fell in love with you, Ernest. Darling, when was the engagement actually settled? On the 14th of February last, worn out by your entire ignorance of my existence, I determined to end the matter one way or the other, and after a long struggle with myself, I accepted you under this dear old tree, here. The next day I brought you this little ring in your name, and this is the little bangle with the true lover's knot I promised you always to wear. And then she goes on to explain how it all happened. (laughs) That hurt my voice. (laughs) And so what actually comes from this is like you see this witty back and forth, of of you know she's basically saying like they've already been engaged and then broken off the engagement even though they'd never met and she's like this funny little girl and he's like oh my god i'm so in love with you even though he met her about 10 minutes prior uh it, it is very you, you get this kind of like laconic drawl of uh of this back and forth dialogue particularly with algonon uh and even the title the importance of being earnest uh earnest spelt with an a here uh has a a very clever twist to it right at the end i won't spoil it so if you if you read the book you uh the the play you'll go oh okay this is this is uh pretty interesting the plot and style more of the the uh, children's fairy tales is very different on the other hand which is it feels really random whereas this one was obviously written with a purpose and you can see the characters interacting with the happy prince and other stories just yeah, it, it feels a bit baffling. So there's nine in total and they have names like the happy prince, the selfish giant, the devoted friend, the remarkable rock, rocket, the nightingale and the rose, the young king, the birdie, uh, the birthday of the infanta, the star child and the fisherman and his soul, each of them being yeah, 15 to 30 pages in length, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. And they all start off kind of pretty or at least they have a, a the start off of a, a typical fairy tale and and you you're kind of getting drawn into this new world and it is very infantilized it is very basic and it's it's a children's book that fairy tales uh and more or less they they follow the standard structure of a fairy tale and i'm thinking more of the things along the lines of um you know jack and the beanstalk or uh the hansel and gretel things like that where maybe there's some little dark elements to it but by and large it's it's roughly a nice tale these just end really weirdly though they have some abrupt sadness or misery 
And I suppose this is going to get onto the 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 questions and themes. What what's the point of a story? So uh, the remarkable rocket, for example, is is one of these ones which is it's such a plain story in it, and it's basically the story of this rocket who uh, is really self conceited. He's saying like I'm the best, and uh, he, they were going to set off these fireworks for these this prince um, his wedding and to this this princess, I believe, and. Um, because he's like so remarkable, he's crying tears and basically he's uh, talking himself up so much, so so conceited, so everything's about him that he ends up ruining his own uh, fuse and so they can't light him off. They throw him into a ditch and this is where he uh, is trying to say how remarkable he is to all of these other friends that he's meet. well not friends, just random creatures he's meeting, a swan, a frog and um, other birds, I think like this, until eventually he just gets set off by some random kids. And it's just like, you read it, you get to the end of it and you're like, what was the point of that? I, it was, it was, sure, it was okay. It was semi-interesting, I guess, but there was nothing really that, that stood out of it. And so, you know, was it making fun? Was it this meant to be a teaching moment? Was it meant to showcase what happens to you if you're self-conceited? Uh, it's, it's so bizarre and, and so many of the stories kind of end like this. So I'm going to jump onto page 141. Uh, and so this was from the story when I'm jumping here, the star child. And it's basically this child who's very similar in, in that respect. He's this conceited child. He eventually through some magic gets turned ugly. And so then he has to kind of do this whole repentant, uh, repentance, he eventually uh, repents and uh, does good things and good things come to him from this. And so uh, he meets his his mother who and his father who are actually king and queens. And, and so they have this uh, touching, reuniteful uh, moment. And this is how the story ends. And they fell on his neck and kissed him and brought him into the palace and clothed him in fair raiment and set the crown upon his head and the scepter in his hand. And over the city that stood by the river, he ruled and was its lord. Much justice and mercy did he show to all, and the evil magician he banished, and to the woodcutter and his wife he sent many rich gifts, and to their children he gave high honour. Nor would he suffer any to be cruel to bird or beast, but taught love and loving kindness and charity, and to the poor he gave bread, and to the naked he gave raiment, and there was peace and plenty in the land. And this is where you'd think it would end, right? And then there's this last section. Yet he ruled not long, so great had been his suffering, and so bitter the fire of his testing, for after the space of three years he died. And he who came after him ruled evilly. What the hell, man? What kind of ending is that? Just completely, uh, you, I guess you could say like, oh, this is actually a way to maybe teach children that life is cruel. Even if you do take atonements, even if you do make up things, uh, uh, make up for things and bad things and you change your character, um, not everything ends out well and it's brutal and bad things going to happen. So why even bother? You know, that's the kind of ending I took from this, which was, it's it's really funny because getting onto like past these books, I don't think you necessarily need a moral. And in fact, there are people who will, uh, writers who will strongly caution against writing a moral into a book. Um, I'm thinking right now of the author of the Dr. Seuss books who had this quote and he says, kids, he says, can see a moral coming a mile off and they gag at it, but there's an inherent moral in any story. And I somewhat believe this, that if I really try searching for it, I feel I could um, find some morals in, in these things. But mostly I was left simply be- bewildered and what any of these were really trying to accomplish 
it's kind of funny because this at the end of this book, uh, it's got some prompts for kids, like um, some things to think about. Oscar Wilde didn't say, doesn't say where the Happy Prince is set. Do you think it's an imaginary city or a real one? If you think it's a real city, which one is it? And then it's, you know, these kind of little prompts to try and get children to, to think about things, which I'm sure you can, but uh, I'm just... I just don't know what to make of of these. The the play is nice. It's witty. It's funny. Uh, once again, there's not really anything to it. It's just kind of humorous. And the the stories themselves, they're just random. They just that's all I came away from it. Just being like these are random little uh, fairy tales. Maybe this is uh, something to do with me, but I'll, I'll I'll get more onto that in a section. So so let's jump onto the actual author himself, Oscar Wilde, and maybe some extra details. Uh, so as I mentioned, he's most well known for the picture of Dorian Gray, which is a fantastic book, and I think is more up his alley in the terms of when he's being a serious writer and writing seriously. I think he creates some really interesting works. The picture of Dorian Gray being one. These children's stories, these fairy stories, they, they feel just kind of like ditties that he randomly wrote and just chucked out there for the for the sake of it, um, which is probably part of his nature, which he, he did have this serious side, but there was also this very flamboyant aesthetic, like live for the moment. Uh, art is all about, you know, this inner world and there's ignoramuses out there who know nothing of the world and he, there's kind of like arrogance about him which look i never knew the dude so i'm just trying to go off what i roughly know of him and uh this extravagance actually was somewhat led to his own downfall so if you don't know of his life basically uh, was born in ireland i believe rose up into the ranks of the uh, kind of the the upper class of english society because of his writings and because he was very uh, poetic he wrote nice poems he wrote he was a writer he was and he was very good at it and i'll talk more about that in a second uh but ended up i think losing himself in his own grandeur and his own uh love of himself which it seemed he had a lot of uh because he ended up trying to prosecute his uh, lover's father for libel which ended up uncovering his own homosexual relationships which at the time were illegal uh so he was born in 1854 died in 1900 uh, he ended up going to jail for a couple of period uh, for a period. What you would say now is rather unfairly, although there did seem to be some allegations that he was um, uh, consorting with underage children, which is obviously pretty bad. And um, uh, died penniless and more or less friendless as well. So he had a, a pretty rough light uh, life, uh, partly due to his own uh, uh, demise as well. Part, partly due to his own. Um, inherent characteristics and, and how he behaves. So it's it's a hit or miss kind of thing. Uh, but he could certainly write compelling stories. And so just writing onto here. So the the actual writing of the story is is rather beautiful. He's, he's got a way with words and he, he does know how to create and construct a, an imagery, at least in your mind. They did appear very uh, vividly. So this is from the story, I think it was called The Little Dwarf. Or no, sorry, this was uh, to do The Birthday of the Infanta, which focuses on this um, little dwarf, dwarf. And so we jump on, onto page 109 here. He slipped through and found himself in a splendid hall, far more splendid, he feared, than the forest. There was so much more gilding everywhere, and even the floor was made of great coloured stones, fitted together into a sort of a geometrical pattern. But the little Infanta was not there, only somewhat wonderful white statues that looked down upon him from their jasper pedestals with sad blank eyes and strangely smiling lips. 
At the end of the hall hung a richly embroidered curtain of black velvet, powdered with suns and stars, the king's favourite devices, embroidered on the colour he loved best. Perhaps she was hiding behind that, he would try at any rate. So he stole quietly across and drew it aside. No, there was only another room, though a prettier room, he thought, than the one he had just left. The walls were hung with a many-figured green arras of needle-wrought tapestry representing a hunt, the work of some Flemish artist who had spent more than seven years in its composition. And then he goes on just to talk about how this little dwarf is going into these different rooms, ends up finding a mirror, and then finds out like, oh, dang, all these people were laughing at me um, and not actually consorting with me, uh, like being part, being joyful of me. They were just laughing at me. Uh, once again, a re- relatively brutal end to the story. And then everyone's just like, he kills himself. And it's like, yeah, oh, well, <laughs> there, there we go. So I think he can certainly write great descriptions. But probably if you're looking for the deeper sort of things, it's better to go to his more grittier works, these being things like the picture of Dorian Gray. And I do think he has some works of his um, his own experiences in jail and, and things like that, which I'm guessing are, are much more up that alley of, of actually having something deeper and meaningful to the work rather than being a, a ditty or a, a fun little play that, he, that he's chucked out. So going on to my final summary, similar books, recommendations. I wonder if I'm just being kind of harsh upon his works due to just my own mental state at the moment, just to where I am at in life. And I'll talk about that shortly. Um, or also because I suspect that I might have disliked him in person. The really funny and weird thing is if I had to compare him to anyone in, in real life nowadays, it'd be someone like Stephen Fry who actually played him in a, I think it was a 1997 uh, film about Oscar Wilde's life. So, you know, he actually played the character and, and there's very many similarities between him, itself, him and uh, Oscar Wilde. They're both extremely witty, uh, both homosexual from a young age, both English, both uh, uh, more drawn to the arts and the artistic side of things, great writers, great um, uh, with words. So, and, and Stephen Fry seems like an amazing, awesome person. So it's kind of like, oh, am I, have I just misjudged him based on um, kind of the, what I've read about him? Uh, but overall, I, I just came away rather apathetic from both of these works of his. I, I just didn't really get the point of them. The interesting, I suppose, in the sense of like they kept me op- occupied, but I just didn't. I didn't connect with it. I didn't feel anything from it, which is probably not what he wanted as a writer. Because I, I get the feeling he was someone who wanted to evoke feelings in people whether they were good or bad doesn't really matter and so i don't know maybe he would consider that a a waste or maybe he'd call me an ignoramus a fool uh you know unartistic who knows <laughs> so overall i'm going to give the happy prince and other stories and the importance of uh, being earnest by oscar wilde just a four out of ten they were, they were kind of just okay um what i would like to get from this i think is uh recommendations or more books in the future would be Perhaps some of his grittier works, like I was, uh, he's, I think it's called The Ballad of uh, Reading Jail. Um, I, that sounds interesting. His experiences of, of jail, which certainly sounded pretty harsh, mixed up into a story. That, that would kind of be interesting. But overall, probably just a biography of him. He, it, he, him as a character, as a real life person, does sound like someone who I want to know more about and, and how he lived, why he lived, and who he was actually as a person. Because he did seem to be one of those people who... Uh, love him or hate him you you couldn't look away from him so that that does um intrigue me uh, a little bit so 
those are potentially some things that uh, might be coming up on this channel in the future. So let's jump on to the Boostergram Lounge. This is a section where I can thank people who have helped support the show, contributed in some interesting comments or notes or things like that. I don't really have anyone to particularly thank today, uh, at least in terms of monetary support. No one streamed or boosted in, and there's uh, a reason for that. Uh, I do have to thank uh, Dark Brooks, who left a comment on the YouTube channel, and he was just saying, if you haven't read it, you shouldn't even be commenting on BTC, honestly. And so this was in reference to the book, uh, The Bitcoin Standard by Safe Dina Moose, which is kind of the a very good book for, for learning about Bitcoin and learning about um, why it's a, an important um in technology that's uh, going to change the world a lot. At least I, I believe that. So instead, I just want to reiterate two things. One, uh, I will be going live here uh, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, which is UTC midnight on a Wednesday. So wherever you are in the world, you know, that plus or minus that you have attached to your city or to your country, plus or minus that from midnight and you will know if it's on a Wednesday late in the evening or afternoon or on a Thursday in the morning, that's uh, that's how you can find out about when I'm actually going live. Part of the reason I think that uh, I didn't really receive any support this week was, uh, look, I, I changed things up. I took an extra f- four days to produce the episode and put it out because now I'm, I changed the schedule back to, to Thursdays again, uh, which doesn't help. It, it helps to be super consistent and also do it regularly and and um, on a certain time so that people know when to expect it. Uh, so changing that up is is not helping my own cause. I do just have to say that this potentially could happen more in the future. I do want to try and be as regular as possible. But uh, for those who haven't heard, because um, I haven't talked about it on this channel, um, my mum my has uh, Alzheimer's and uh, she's getting into the the end stage, I suppose, of, of her condition, which um, just is really intensive, requires a, a lot of care. Um, you know, I my dad does most of that and he's um, been amazing at it, but it is getting to the point where she needs a, a lot more. So uh, even just yesterday, for example, I, I had to just kind of randomly go home and, and look after her for eight hours. So that was a, a big day for me. And if if that had been today instead, I would have had to have delayed this because um, family comes first, for sure. So that that's just to say, I, I still intend to do things on a weekly basis. But uh, in terms of the live, you know, if, if something comes up like that, I'm uh, and this is happening more frequently for me, uh, these these random things that do need uh, my attention and, and my, my help, um, I, I just have to do that. So I, I will make it up, but it, it just might not be exactly as uh as i as i would like to as i uh would like to plan because that is just how life works (laughs) so i just want to thank everyone the value for value um section here is just to say this is a value for value podcast if you've tuned into this end portion here um well thanks for making it all the way here i I do appreciate that and i I don't take your your time lightly and uh, i do appreciate you you coming in and, and and tuning in and i just hope that you got some value from this and if you did i just ask that you return it um, that's what that's all i want from you um, you can return it in many ways you can do it through your own time just sharing it with another person uh, perhaps going back through some of the old catalog letting me know what things you would like to hear or see about this is getting more into the talent what are some similar books you've read what are ways i can improve this podcast uh, are there things that you want to hear about or don't want to hear about in terms of the structure in terms of uh, i do these 
for my own understanding, but also to try and impart what you can actually get from these books and what what um, what you would be able to find from these so that perhaps you don't uh, have to uh, waste your time or that you do waste your time on, on something that is brilliant and, and super fun. So these are the sorts of things I'm, I'm trying to do. And finally, you can help in a support in a monetary manner. I prefer it if you do it through Boostergrams, which is sending in a message directly within a podcasting app. So if you're listening here on to the YouTube, I'll tell you how you can do that in a second. Uh, but yeah, if you go to a podcasting app like Fountain, Breeze, Curocaster, Castomatic, Podcast Guru, Podverse, all of these have great functionalities where you can uh, interact with me directly within the app. So it makes a lot of sense and you can support monetarily uh, with a message and via streaming. I, I do see these and I do call these out. So um, uh, that in that Boostergram lounge section that I normally do. Uh, if you're listening uh, elsewhere and, and you don't have access to one of those apps or you like the visual component, uh, if you go to meremodelspodcast.com slash support or and look down in the show notes there's a link there to that uh, you can support via paypal and uh, send in a, a a you know a sum of money just to help support the show it does take time energy and cost to pay for the hosting fees to continually do all of these things to find the time to read the books and all this sort of thing so supporting monetarily uh, allows me to keep continuing these and to make them better and spend more time on them so um, it'll also explain there how you can uh, acquire your, your first satoshis if you want to do that and um, what kind of apps and how you can use them it's all there on that page so yeah that's it the for the value for value section um do you have any recommendations, requests of what you would love to hear? Um, you can always reach out just via any of these social links as well. And I uh, really do hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Ciao for now. Kyron out.